Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Welcome to the seventh episode of the Meet the Mancunian podcast. Every week, I aim to introduce you to an interesting Mancunian from this culturally diverse city, Manchester. We will hear from ordinary people making an extraordinary impact. Presented by Deepa Thomas Sutcliffe, newbie Mancunian. Tune in every week for a new episode. Concerned about the youth today? We hear from John Swallow, senior youth worker, Groundwork, in this episode. So I'm delighted to introduce my guest, John Swallow, senior youth worker, Groundwork. Thank you, John, for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. So, John, I'm going to start with asking you about how did you find your passion for working with the youth? (laughs) That takes me back quite a long way. I'm 51 years old and I left school at 16 and not many qualifications, straight into a job and I became a postal cadet because the careers officer recognized my only talent was getting up early because I worked in a newsagent's and it seemed to be my one particular skill. So I ended up working as a postman basically and I got very bored. I found it very boring. It was the same thing every day over and over again. But I had a friend who worked for the Woodcraft Folk which is like the alternative scouts and brownies if you like. They were very outdoors based, very political. Uh, very environmentally focused the woodcraft folk and she worked for them and she was taking a group of older teenagers to edinburgh for a week camp and she asked me to drive the minibus and i didn't have any time off work to give so i took a week sick and drove this minibus with my friend and all these young people to edinburgh and camped out with them for a week and it was the most fun i have ever ever had i think i was about 20 at the time and it was just a breath of fresh air in terms of a completely different field of work. So after enjoying that so much, one of my friends at the post office, I identified that there was a part-time youth and community workers course in Rochdale where I lived. So I went and did that. So I became a part-time qualified youth worker and I picked up some youth work on one of the big estates in Rochdale, just on the borders with Manchester in Middleton and really enjoyed that. So I did some bits of part-time youth work here and there alongside my full-time post-person job, let's say. And in the end, I decided to go to university. Uh, One of Huddersfield University was launching a 
its first youth and community course. It was the first time it was going to run. And I was asked if I would go and study for three years and do my youth and community work degree. And I went and I got an interview and they accepted me. And I left the post office on a career break and did nine months for the first two years at university and went back to the post office in the holidays and worked just to keep my student pennies topped up. Oh. And in the end, I finished my degree in 1995 and got a youth and community job in Middleton full-time and that was the sort of launch pad of my full-time youth work career so it was a bit of a transition from leaving school early to being bored to finding something completely different through volunteering and that's how I ended up being a youth and community worker and I've had quite a interesting career since. I love it. Could you tell listeners about how you got involved with Groundwork, who you currently work with? Groundwork, I think, is probably going to be the last place I work. I'm very at home at Groundwork. I feel like I've finally come home after 30 years. Uh, it's been quite a journey, and I think I've been through lots of different young people services. Like I said, I started as a full-time youth and community worker in Middleton. After that, I moved into a young person's drug service and set up their early intervention teams. I stayed there for five and a half years at early break in Rochdale and Bury, which was an excellent drug and alcohol service. I learned an awful lot about substance misuse and working with young people and assessments and one-to-one -one work with young people. And then I left there and moved on to Rochdale's youth volunteering program, managed that for a couple of years. Then I went to manage the detached teams. Then I moved on to managing my own youth work company with some friends. Then I went to work in children's mental health, stayed there for about five or six years, and in the end left that to go and study social work at Salford University. And I didn't like social work. I was never going to be a social worker. I just wanted the qualification just for my own professional development. But after qualifying, everybody seemed to be getting social work jobs, and I thought, well, I've got the qualification, I may as well give it a try, but I didn't like it. It wasn't for me. It wasn't the same as youth work or other work I'd done with young people, and there was no joy in it. And for me, I need to enjoy going to work. I don't go to work for money. I, I go to work because it's something I'm passionate about and something I enjoy. And yeah, I wasn't getting that out of social work. So I left there and ended up basically at Groundwork just after the pandemic. And I've been there for just four months. And uh, the most latest feedback is everybody seems to think I've been there forever because I've just sort of slotted in. Love it. And it's a wonderful, wonderful place to work. Lovely. So what you, you talked a little bit about what inspired you to get involved, but maybe tell us a little bit about Groundwork itself. Groundwork's a national federation of charities, so there's one big Groundwork UK that covers all the smaller organisations and that does all the big stuff like lobbying and policy making and development work. But that looks after all the local charities and most areas will have a Groundwork. Greater Manchester is the one I'm in, there's obviously one in Cheshire and Merseyside, there's one in the North East, there's some down in London, there's some in the Midlands. So they're all very different. Groundwork's main business is landscaping and outdoor works and all. So 
for building for schools, outdoor areas, housing associations, local authority work. Not, it's sort of low-level building, if you like, but it's more maintenance of grounds and lands and parks, waterways, we've got a lot of river projects. So la groundwork does an awful lot of quite big landscaping pieces of work. It's also got a youth and community bit, and the youth team sits in the community's directorate. And there's four full-time youth workers, a whole host of part-time youth workers. There's two specialist coaches. There's one generic universal youth worker, and there's me, which is sort of special environmental projects and social action. And I work across Greater Manchester with groups of young people to get them involved in being outdoors, connecting with nature, building and learning about the environment and working around climate change and it's really 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 good fun. Well, who is it that you help and support? You talked about young people but is there a particular focus within that? For my work it's mainly young people who are going to be impacted by climate change and one thing we do know about climate change it will most certainly impact on people in the global south so everybody south of the equator will, it will horribly horribly impact we're at about 1.1 degree above usual for over the past 60 years. And once that gets beyond 1.5 degrees, the turmoil in the weather and the climate systems and our ecosystem will be disastrously impacted. And it'll impact on the people in the South, but it'll have very specific impacts on people in this country, particularly those who are most vulnerable to adversity, people who are poor, people who live in poor housing overcrowded housing so what we try and do is work with those young people to make them more resilient too so they can adapt to change so they can understand how to look after themselves better we do work around food and skills building get them outside because it's good for their mental health and well-being get them working together so they've got community skills so they can help each other help the neighbors and all all my projects are really around around young people doing something for their community and benefiting them so it gets them into a culture of helping others and that's the focus of my working ground with and what impact would you say you've made so far so far i think a lot of the young people have had a lot of fun we've built a lot of things we've planted a lot of things we've done lots of running around we've done some litter pigs We've just done some really good things with plants because I started over the summer, which is obviously a good time to start. So we got the opportunity to plant loads of things and watch them grow. And I was back in Crumpsall Park the other night because a lot of the young people had done some planting there over the summer. And I was very thrilled to see everything was still growing, even in the adverse weather conditions. So I keep posting lots of photographs of things that they've done on Instagram and Twitter because they've done some really good stuff. And they've had a lot of fun. I think learning through play and learning through having fun with others is the best way to engage and work with young people. Well, how can interested people reach out to you and learn more? I, I think I'm a good example and I know lots of people who work in my field of work started the same way as I did, through volunteering. Give your time to help others, it enriches yourself, it enriches other people and it opens up a whole new world. I was stuck in a rut in the post office, didn't know what to do, and volunteering with my friend opened up a completely different world. And there's lots of community projects people can volunteer in, there's lots of nature-based projects, particularly now people can volunteer in. So 
what I'd suggest if anybody wanted to do something, just find a group that does something that you're passionate about and go and join them and do something with them. And it's always going to have a really positive impact on other people. There are so many community organizations, there's great charities. Every town, every city will have a council for voluntary service or a central volunteering portal for people to look at. Very easy to log on and search for something that you're really passionate about. And, you know, I work for Groundwork and I work with a lot of volunteers, but I have always volunteered my time and energy to other projects while I've been working. I've always been a volunteer and it's it's just such good fun. Definitely. Well, Groundwork have a great website. One of the things I've learned about Groundwork is it markets itself very well. It promotes its work and it's that was always a struggle for youth services that I've worked in. We're always too busy particularly in local authorities doing the work and we were very not very good at promoting what we did to other people. Groundwork has really got it nailed down. They've got a really good marketing department. They've got really passionate people about sort of translating the work we do on the ground into mostly a media presence. So Groundwork's got a fantastic website and all the groundworks around uh, the UK will have their own websites. There's a Groundwork UK website but if anybody wants to know what Greater Manchester Groundworks doing, pop onto their website, all their community projects are on there. I've got about six of them. So you can guess how many projects there probably are. There are loads of things people can get involved in. Uh, Groundworks are on lots of social media. It's on Twitter, it's on Instagram, it's on YouTube. It's not on TikTok yet. We've not quite caught up with that. <laughs> but yeah. I'm sure we will at some point. But we've got our own dedicated media team and, you know, the person I work with is Harley Bark, who's a, a really passionate filmmaker. So she'll come out and visit me while I'm doing work, take some photographs, take some video footage, wrap it all together with some information and post it out there and make us all look really, really good. So there's lots of information out there for people to sort of tap into and Groundwork's got some great information on its website we've also got some great partner organizations who've got some great things going on we work with people like metmunch the climate change agency saw the city lots of schools and colleges we've got links everywhere so have a look it's a good place to start if you want to know anything about the environment groundworks website is www.groundwork.org.uk and if you type in greater manchester the website will come up Okay, Groundworks Instagram is groundwork underscore GM. Okay, so I'm going to now shift gear to signature questions that I'm asking all my guests. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first question I have is, what do you love about Manchester? It's smaller than London and it's got as much going on, but in a smaller area. I think it's fantastically diverse. I love walking through Manchester city centre. It's so colourful, there's such a diversity of people. You know, you can hear lots of the different languages being spoken and it's fantastic. It just makes me feel like it's sort of rich and diverse. And I think people are very positive, you know. I sometimes get a bit down when you look at climate change and, you know, an impending disaster, but then you meet people who are so positive about things and about the future and young people are so 
excited about what's going to go on. So I think Manchester's a really positive place. I think it's big enough to be have some sort of sense of identity and solidarity. And it's got plenty going on. It's just a wonderful, vibrant place, you know, with a real international feel. It's an international city, I would think. And, you know, there's lots of other big cities in the country, but Manchester feels like an international city. I love it. So what's your favourite place in Manchester? That's a tricky one. I've got a few places that have a a lot of sort of memories for me. Piccadilly Gardens and more certainly Urbis were always places that I used to hang out. You know, lots of summer days lying on the grass with friends just talking and messing about. And that was always on Urbis or Piccadilly Gardens. Uh, I think walking around the city centre is people tend not to look up but if you look up in manchester there are some fantastic amazing red brick buildings all the old warehouses are still there although they've all been converted to one thing it's just got history and it's just got legacy to it and you can see it if you look up you don't see it so much if you look down but if you look up when you're walking around the city center you can see all the old buildings and all the old mills and it's fantastic and it's also a new place as well it's got old next to new just near where I live there's an old pub and it's been derelict for a bit and it's all been redone up and it looks beautiful it's all red brick and all shiny now and on either side of it it's got two completely new tower blocks and it's like this old next to two new things and it's just that wonderful contrast in the city that all blends together and I like that about the city. What's the most important life lesson that you've learned? Well, I'm old, so I've learned quite a few, but I think the most important thing is not to make decisions on your own. Make good decisions with other people. If you've got stuff going on, get a different perspective and make a decision with other people. I know all the worst decisions I've ever made, I've made on my own. So I would say, don't make decisions on your own and don't make rash decisions. Decide things with other people. I think that's probably the best advice I can give anybody. You and I love the little kitty photo. <laughs> I've got two. That's that's the that's the naughty one. <laughs> Who's posing? <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Well, they do that. They do that. They love meetings. Oh. If someone wrote a book on your life, what would they call it? Oh, probably tall and daft. I think I've always, I've always been known for being rather tall because I'm about six foot two, but I'm really skinny. So I think it, it makes me look a little bit taller, and I've always been known for being a little bit daft. And it would be a book about the tall and daft person. I love that. Thank you so much, John, for talking to me and my listeners. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed the seventh episode of the Meet the Mancunian podcast. Tune in every week for a new episode. I love talking, so it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, John. You're a natural storyteller, so <laughs> it's fascinating. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your time. Lovely.